Hey everybody, welcome to the Disco Posse Podcast. This is Eric Wright, I'm your host. This episode today is brought to you by our good friends at Veeam Software. So make sure you do show a little love for our sponsors and our good friends in the industry. So Veeam has been a longtime supporter uh, of the community, myself included. Uh, so if you want to go and, and check out everything you need for your data availability and data protection needs, go to Veeam Software. And in fact, you go to vee.am forward slash disco posse and that'll take you right to a special page where you get a, a chance to actually you can even buy it and download it yourself but at the very least you can get it there and read up more and let them know that you came from disco posse this show is about a conversation with somebody who i've been very lucky to meet through the community sherry mcgurnahan sherry's an incredible person who's got such a wealth of skills in being able to understand how people and technology come together in beautiful ways She's a DevOps lead, a DevOps manager, and she's just a fantastic person. So this conversation, we cover a lot about understanding how to build teams, support these new sort of ways of building technologies that map to the way that people understand, have empathy to consume. And in fact, empathy is a core part of this. It's a really great story, and you're going to want to listen. Thank you. Hi, this is Sherry McGurnahan, and you are listening to the Disco Posse Podcast. Just like that, we're here. <laughs> I, I've been excited about this chance to put a conversation together and share it, uh, Sherry, because we've, we've talked a lot uh, and I'm always, when you find people that are genuinely different and interesting, and it's, those are tricky words sometimes, different can sometimes be, sound scary to people, but different in that your approach to a lot of things is, is very good. And it's a rarity amongst a lot of technologists and a lot of team creators as well, I'll say. Uh, because what I find is that we often build people groups, not teams. And when we want to create teams, we elect a leader, but they're not necessarily a manager or maybe they're only a manager. And you and I have talked a lot about how it can go well, how it is challenged. And I wanted to kind of tap on some of the, your experiences and, and do that. So share, if you want to introduce yourself sort of fully, let's talk about where you come from and, uh, and we'll, we'll walk through a great conversation and how to make DevOps work as a team builder? Well, first of all, thank you. It was very kind for you to, to say that. And it's something that I have learned as I go. I think over the last X number of years that I won't admit to at this point <laughs> to give my age away. <laughs> but it, um, uh, it's something that I, I'm really proud that I've been able to do. I came to this type of work from a completely unorthodox way starting out a very long time ago, believe it or not, as, as a theatrical stage manager. And people always say, well, how do you get from stage management for theater to project management? And my answer is always the same. It's the same skill set. It's working with people. It's being a coordinator. It's those hard skills. One is just project management in a theater environment. It's the same thing. So if you extrapolate that, you're working with people who are... Um, very skilled at what they do, have a unique set of talents. Not everyone can be a fantastic actor. Not everyone can be a fantastic developer and not everyone should be. Right. But you have these people who, um, as I like to call them, my snowflakes, have all different fantastic sets of qualities that may overlap, but that are really unique. And over the years, being able to understand how to work with them has been, I think, a big key to my own personal success. Um, and if I add a little bit more on my background to what you, you, you mentioned, it's also that I've 
been largely self-taught and I've had some amazing mentors to, to steer me in the right direction. And I'm an incredibly curious person, so I'm always trying to learn something new. But I also am very aware of my limitations. So what I can learn that's at the 10,000 foot view versus the five versus getting into the nitty gritty. And I also know when to step back. So I think if I, you know, those things throughout my career have sort of led me from being the stage manager on tour with musicians to, you know, uh, running development teams and, and now um, heading DevOps uh, infrastructure security, which has become a big passion, which you and I have talked quite a bit about. It comes out that you, you never describe yourself without describing the people around you. Well, I, I think the people around me, I never have to be, and I say this all the time, um, I never have to be the smartest person in the room. I need to know who the smartest people are. I need to put them in the room and I need to give them every tool that they need to be able to get the best out of them. And one of the things I've learned very well to do, I think, is manage people as individuals and not as a team. And I think that is one of the problems when people are putting teams together and it depends on what you've come from. So if you've come as a developer and worked your way up, if you may not necessarily have had those managerial skills, the problem is that developers, is not a problem, but the work essentially can be quite isolating because you're, you know, you're in front of your console, you're in front of your, your computer, you're working away, you're coming up with brilliant code, maybe you're talking a little bit here and there. But to move from that and to move into a management role you know, when I was hired at, at, uh, at my last position at Legal Suite, um, my manager who hired me, who was the, uh, the technical director at the time, he never wanted to be a manager. He, and he knew he just didn't like it. So when he hired me, he actually said he saw sort of a, oh, she could take over managing the team eventually. <laughs> you could get me out of this problem I've got, basically, and, right? <laughs> yeah. And in fact, when he left Legal Suite, he went over to CGI and, and he's a great developer and he knows that and he loves learning new things. And he's still a great friend. Um, and as a matter of fact, he came back and worked for me as a contractor for a year, you know? Um, so it's great when you realize where your strengths are. You know, I will never be a brilliant developer. I have worked with some brilliant developers, some brilliant ops people. I will never get there. It's just not my, my skill set. But I do think that building the right people and giving them the tools and being supportive of them, you know, whether it's a crisis, whether it's just an everyday project, whether it's a, something that's gone off the rails, my biggest strength that I can give to them is support and listening and understanding. And if that means staying with them till midnight and giving them pizza, then that's what I do. If it's, you know, reading through lines of code, which I can do, or reading through um, the logs to see where we're going wrong or another set uh, of fresh eyes, then that's what I do. But it, it really comes down to being supportive of the people around me. And, and then from there, that's how you build, um, team strength and team unity and 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 really get that convergence of of having a strong backbone in a team because if everyone's working in a silo you're never going to get it and the ability to step between people and i say that as like you can you have to have individual support methods i think for everybody in a team because they all have individualities and idiosyncrasies and, and, and the way that they've, their function and their, their personalities match that. So when you, as you go between the different players on that team, your job becomes finding like, Hey, you, you may kind of get sort of stuck on this stuff over here, but let's talk to Joanne. Joanne's really good at this thing. And you, you need help with documentation. Well, let's talk to Pete because he's really he did a really neat docs thing that I saw recently. So, you know, and it's the ability to go and see those sort of tags. I call them like team tags. Like, so everybody has a, you know, we all have one thing. And then what are the bonus stories that are inside people that they may not tell each other, but you as a, as a team leader or a team creator, it's your kind of role to, find those little things and 
how do you how do you do that so one of the things that you know it's funny i was asked about this yesterday a little bit um when i was chatting with um with an educational institution that's looking at building a new team of innovation um especially now that we're in COVID and all the universities and CJEPs and things like that are all thinking of like, how do we move forward? You know, and what else do we need to put in our arsenal to support all of these students and teachers, some of which are super technical and are great and others who shouldn't be allowed to touch a computer or an iPhone and <laughs> barely turn it on, right? So how do you build that team to, to make everyone happy? And one of the things that I, think people don't put enough stock in is doing quick daily meetings and listening to people's explanation of their tasks and listening to people's feedback about what they're working on and where they're stuck. You can get a lot of info just from that. And it doesn't have to be long. It's a 10, 15 minute meeting. If your scrum takes longer than that, two minutes per person, then you're not doing it right. But you can get so much information just by people's body language and tone and you can tell so you this really allows you to sort of as a manager to as the leader of the team to really cut off a problem before it really starts to fester because you'll see if someone's hanging back if someone's like you know just there oh i'm doing this again you know or and they're starting to be unengaged and things like that so if you can clue in and just sort of keep an, an eye and slash ear out on these kinds of things, you can really glean a lot of information and reposition if you need to. I had this happen at, you know, where I, I had someone who was in a great developer, but she just was not good in a support role. And that's what we hired her for. And she was, um it was just a bad fit now she was a great developer there's no reason to get rid of her because her skill set was fantastic but so when i had an r d role i moved her over there because her at it you know she she was really good at fixing problems but going back and forth with the clients it was it was just not a good fit so you know one of the things that i keep reminding companies about is the cost of turnover you know, ten to fifteen thousand dollars per individual, of you know, and not only that, team spirit gets you know ruptured a bit and things like that. So, being cognizant of these kinds of things that are happening within the team is really, really important. And it sounds small, but it can really go a long way in the end of of sort of cutting off things before they get into a bad spot. Well, I think the key to it is is the you know, again in your description of it. I, somebody once told me this. It's uh, she tells her kids all the time. She says you have two two ears and one mouth. It's because you're supposed to use the ears more than the mouth, and it's there are little ways in which that people communicate that are nonverbal, that are even with verbal you can sense the inflection you can sense the there's stuff that's like an undercurrent that can get detected but it can't if you don't regularly visit so if you ask somebody how they're doing once a year you'll get a great story but if you ask them every day you'll find out that they're struggling because they can't just keep telling you the same thing over and over again because it begins to break down you know in the same way so when police do interrogation this is the technique they teach you is you tire people out when you tire them out they have oh. no choice but to be real right and that's when you actually and so it's it's not that your daily stand-up should be feeling like an interrogation but the reason why we do things with regularity in a particular you know cadence with a particular style is because you want it to be unencumbered by the need to perform. Right, exactly. And one of the things I, I, I've always said and I say to my team is by the time you get to your review, your yearly review with me, nothing in there will be a surprise because we will, I will have checked in with you. I will have advised you. I mean, I'm a big like, 
praise person. I think, you know, we should need to recognize that. But I'm also a big feedback and a constructive feedback. And I want it from them too. One of the things I ask in my reviews with my team is what, what can I do better to help you? But I never want you to get to that review and find out that I've been unhappy with something you did six months ago. That's not fair to anybody. And it doesn't it doesn't foster a, uh, a great relationship back and forth between the manager and the employee either because they don't feel like they can come and, and chat with you. Um, I had, you know, I've had a, a couple of team members over the years who have used me as references as they were leaving. And I've had HR people say, wow, this is a shock. And I said, well, honestly, I did everything I can to keep them. I would love to keep them. They want to leave. So instead of them not being honest and open with me, this allows me to better plan for their exit. And it, it, it shows them that I have their back. So all along the way, if it takes them a month because they feel like they're, they need a new skill set or they want to go in a different direction, then they're honest. And what's wrong with that? People move on from companies definitely more than, let's say, my mother, my mother who spent 25, 30 years at the same company. You don't see that as much, right. especially in the development world, because devs and, and ops people want to be working with the most cutting edge this and that, you know, which is totally understandable. Um, so I think the, the approach needs to be to embrace that instead of put blinders onto it, you know. Um, because the description is easy and, and I, I would just from the way you talk through it is we manage people, not employees, right? So the, exactly. the human resources team manages employees. Their job is to create an employee experience. It's right. legal, rep, you know, legal setup, benefits set up, day-to-day operational stuff foundations require like i don't mean to detract from what it is but they are not managing people they're managing employees Correct. your job is to manage the person and the best thing you can do sometimes is manage them into a better career when they can't find it where they are and in fact that makes you a better manager if you're willing to do that for that employee because if you make them stay and you remind them that this is the only place they should be when they dearly don't want to be there, then what kind of manager can you be? If look, I don't say that you, you shouldn't love where you are. You shouldn't, you, you have to love where you are. You should not do that. But at the same time, there's a point where you say, look, I've got a person who's incredible and they want to grow their career. I literally have no path to promotion for them here. And so I can't give them what they need to be better people and to create the future them. And so in doing that, if you set them, and I, I always got like, I've managed so many people out of teams, be, across teams to different parts of the organization or mm-hmm. to external companies. And then what you end up having is quite often, you know, I recently had somebody who was with me for, you know, we, we were at the same company for three years and then he went to another organization for a while and then he came back and was basically given all that he could have been couldn't have been given at the time because it just it wasn't there the job didn't exist the team dynamic wasn't ready for that advanced position so having gone away got a taste of some of another way to, to take on the challenge be able to put some practices into play and now he came back and and was able to be incredible as a teammate and and we know that hey look it, it's going to happen where sometimes we we have to go <laughs> it's better it, it just is better for it's better for the company too than them just okay. like okay fine i gotta do this <clears throat> let me just grind it out and do my eight and and that's it they they do their minimum minimal amount required every day and they just get through it and they start counting down like a jail calendar, like Xing off the days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, you, you never want that because it really does, it's insidious, right? And it, it really will eradicate um, the, the goodwill of the team. And, it, you know, listen, if you have a team of 65 people, a couple of people who are sort of on the fringes of whatever, that's not going to really affect things. If you have a team of five or eight or 10 
or 15 and you've got two or three outliers, let's call them, or people that, you know, are really sort of unhappy where they are and it affects morale. And, and then it's like, then your atmosphere is not great. Nobody wants to come to work, you know, and no one wants, they're not like, Oh, great. Let's see person X again. Who's just always, you know, not happy to be here. It, it just, it really permeates and, listen, work is still work, right? It's not, we're not going to you know, socialize all the time. But at the same time, you spend more hours at work awake than you usually do at home. So right. you don't want those hours to be spent with a bunch, with, with people that, you know, you can't sit over lunch and have a chat with. And, and I think that's what, um, what makes the difference because there's going to be ebb and flow. There's going to be hard times, especially when you're doing, you know, like, like I was uh, very client service oriented. You're going to have unhappy clients. You, you guys are going to have to get through the, the emergencies and the unhappy clients and the, the peaks and valleys together. So, you know, it, it really makes a difference. And sometimes you don't know when you're making that hire, you think you're making the right hire. And this is the other thing that I think, we don't do enough sometimes is we take too long to make a decision to move somebody out and that can keeping a someone who's not um, happy or not contributing or not fitting in um, may uh, not, not making that decision quick enough will really cost the company money um, in the end because of unhappy clients because of maybe other team members whatever but you know, it's a hard thing to do because you're affecting someone's livelihood and affecting someone's, you know, life. Um, But it's something else to keep in mind because you've got sort of the greater good to think about going forward at the same time. And it's a balance. There's also something that's neat. Talk about nonverbals. You you folks aren't seeing the video that I get to see when we record. You, you, you were going to say it. You get a bad employee, but you don't say it. You, I know it's like the, the habit of what we're able to say is sometimes you've got a, and you're like, I get a bad employee, but no, you've got somebody that's not a great fit. You can, you're, the way that you look at it is very different than most people, right? Even when you, you're literally going to describe what anybody would term as a bad employee. And I could almost see it coming out of you and you stopped <laughs> without even realizing that you'd, you'd steered because it's not, it's in your nature. So how, how did that happen? Like, how did you, how did you learn to be, you know, on the right side of anything? That's a really good question. And I, I wonder if it's partially having been in situations where I have not been, uh, uh, had the best experience or treated properly or fairly, having gone through being verbally and sexually harassed at work, um, and knowing that I don't ever want anybody else to feel that way. And, you know, I had to go through it and I had to recognize it. And it's, you know, you don't realize it's happening initially. Um, and I've always worked, I've, you know, whether it was theater or anything like that, um, tended to work in more, let's say, male dominated fields. Um, and, uh, so I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a wilted flower by any, you know, I can hold my own, but I also don't ever want anyone else to feel the way I have felt in, in that way. Um, and so it's very important to me to always try and look at everything glass half full. Cause it's really, really easy. And I'm not saying, believe me, I have my own days where I'm like, okay. And you and I have talked about it a bit at different times, but like there's days where I'm like, okay, the glass is definitely half empty. Today. <laughs> it's, you know, can I please have a break universe, you know, but I, and I don't know if it's also getting older, believe it or not, that, you know, um, you know, when people are, are uh, struggling with something and, you know, somebody's screaming at me and my answer is this isn't brain surgery. I'm really sorry your software is down. We will get it back up, I promise you. But nobody's going to die. If someone's going to die, that's a whole other conversation. But let's put it into context and let's figure out how we can fix it. And then we will do a review and see how the hell we got there. And let's hope we take the lessons learned and make changes. You know, But 
being negative at the time and being negative when you're in a space, especially with me, because I'm the girl you want in the room when things are going bad, um, is so counterproductive that it, it actually puts you four steps behind, not even three steps, four steps behind. And then the, the amount of energy you need to catch up. So I think it's a lot of lessons learned on my own part, but also just feeling like if I can impart that in other people and I set the tone and if I set the tone with my team, then hopefully that translates. If I'm going to be bitter and angry or whatever, or, or a glass half empty all the time, then that's going to be the tone of the team. And then you're just going to have constant turnover and that's not what anybody wants. Um, so it's, it's, but there's also the fine line of that, of how do you also not get too attached to everybody? Cause when they do move on, it's hard. Right. So it's, it's, that's something I'm still, I'm still learning my way through. Yeah. It's hard to be the, the mama bird, love them, watch them crack out of that egg, watch them become incredible little birdies, and then kick them off the edge of the nest and hope that they don't hit the ground. And, yeah. and you're going to miss them, but you created them, right? That's really what it is, is you've, you've nurtured this, this presence, this, this person who's part of your, your team. And then you, but you have to do it. I, and that's, it's my firm belief that you have to be all in. Yes. Because if you're not, it's detectable. Yes. hundred percent. It's the same way if you're, if you're apprehensive in, in anything, right? If, if you apprehension gets amplified, especially when things get difficult, because you're already sort of not standoffish, but like you're reserved and you're guarded a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then when things get hard, that's when stuff happens. Even like in relationships, why they say that it's like anybody. The reason why eighteen-year-olds have great relationships is because there's nothing wrong yet. Like there's yeah. <laughs> we, we have money problems and children problems and and other and job problems and that's why same as a team, a successful team and a successful peer relationship in a team or a manager you know team member relationship is the comfort of knowing that you can be you can really do bad things like have ba things go bad yeah and yet still be not protected but you know given the a right amount of protection you know i don't want to guard you from from the reality like hey we're gonna, we're gonna have a tough talk about what just happened here but let's get through the problem first and then we'll figure out how we got here. And that's like, you just described it. And especially when a customer's talking to you and they're like, Hey, look, this is bullshit. Like they're angry and they're like, how the hell did this happen? You know? And you're like, let's, we are in the process of bringing the system back online. Uh, we'll, we'll have a, we'll, we'll call you as soon as it's ready and we'll, we'll have a discussion. And you want it to kind of cool and quell a bit. And you, although you, it's funny, you're, you're like me, the, the moment that, you see the, the little spark go up of, you know, uh oh, the curtain just lit up on fire. You're like, someone's like, we've got to put it out. I'm like, we're good. Don't worry, we got this. <laughs> you know, even then it, it starts to get worse. You're like, nice. All right, this is going to be fun. Like, the harder things get, I think, the more I'm excited for whatever reason. I'm, a, I'm broken in that way. <laughs> yeah, well, you and, I, you and I share that. And interesting, going back to what you said about, um, you know, being all in, I think it's a good indicator for the manager or the person running the team if you can't be all in if you're not having that all in feeling with whichever and you know, it's going to be different with every person obviously but if you really can't be that way with somebody that should be an indication to you that maybe this is not the right fit this is not the right hire for whatever reason um but i think you know we're in some cases overwhelmed a lot so we tend to push those things aside but when I look back at my, especially the last four years, because I've done a lot of hiring at uh, where I was, the two mistakes I made, I didn't listen to my gut. I didn't yeah. listen to my gut and I was, I was right. That's easy to say that. Hindsight is 2020. Um, but I couldn't be all in with them. And I, and 
now that you say that, that tweaks back as well with that, even though it was one of them I really tried, but everybody in the company was pulling their hair out. So it wasn't just me. And that's also another thing, right? Is like, you can check in with other people and saying, you know, in a good way, right? Hey, what's the feedback? Don't say what's the negative feedback, what's the feedback? And then if other yeah. people are having it, and hopefully you also have that air with your other colleagues in other departments cross departmentally who can come to you and say, hey, have you noticed so-and-so isn't great or I have to explain the same thing to him 52 times or he doesn't, he asked me a question and then doesn't listen to the answer, you know? So then you're sort of getting that feedback and you're like, okay, now I need to start putting the pieces together, so. And it brings up the hot topic, which I never realized is that hot until I mention it. And then I work, I mean, I work in a startup and I've advised startups and I know lots of friends in the industry who are, and even at big companies, I always, you know, I'm very, it's very, I'm very cognizant of the fact that they are running a, an organization, which is like, got to keep the lights on and they got to run a business and they got to do other things. But in the same way that I described the all in, you know, if I work for a good company and a good team and you, we use the word family and I'm surprised by how many people are really angered by the use of the word family because your family can't, riff you right your family can't like lay you off and furlough you well no they could do worse right because you can't get rid of them like i i got <laughs> i got cousins i wouldn't mind furloughing for a while you know I'm just, I'm just kidding actually i love all my family but it's like but you you're bound to them and so people have a real it's a it's a very weird thing to watch how people get irked to the point of like being irate sometimes when I say like, Hey, you know, I always, I thank God for, I've got my turbonomic family that really protect me, you know, and, and we do crazy stuff together. And then I get people like the moment that you think a company is your family, you're wrong because they will drop you in a second. Like, well, maybe you haven't found the family and like, it's not that every company has this, not that every team has this, but it's part of that all in feeling, right. You know, and, and I, I know I personally, I mean, there's a lot of places I've worked where I'm like, no family here. Kerchunk <laughs> time, you know, put the old punch card in and on the way out. That's more how I treat it. But I, 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 so I'm kind of like stealing time at that point. I'm just like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for the, the better thing. But I always feel bad for people that think that nobody can experience that because they yeah. haven't. Yeah. And you, and you and I have talked about that too. And, and, you know, I, I put a lot of stock in that. And I think it's more natural in the startup world because you're all, you know, you're all doing double, triple, quadruple duty sometimes because like you said, we're trying to keep the lights on and we're running on a shoestring and we all believe in this amazing idea that's going to take us everywhere. Um, and it's something new and exciting, right? New, shiny and exciting. It's like for my dog, Molly, it's like for the Portuguese water dog, if that's a new ball, she's like, she's off to the races. But when you're at a bigger place that's been around for a long time and you've got more people that are sort of just sort of punching in and out and things like that, it's a bit different. But that doesn't mean to say that you can't have that same experience, I believe, um, because you've taught me that in a larger company in your particular spot in the company, you know? Um, and that's when I think companies need to start going the extra mile for things like activities or social events or employee appreciation things. And, you know, it gets harder the bigger you are, obviously, but it still is important because it, makes the employee feel like they're recognized and they're not just a number. Yes, you're a hundred percent right. And the people that say this are a hundred percent right. When the company needs to make a decision, they're going to make a decision and that's it. And that's the greater good, right? So, yeah. Yes, fortunately, we, we know it's a fiduciary responsibility to the, that of the shareholders and the board of directors. Yeah. And, you know, in the, and this is what's, so I'm always torn because I, I get into this, some challenging conversations with, with good friends sometimes about, you know, sort of the free market. Like, look, I'm not like an, an Ayn Randian, you know, <laughs> I'm not like that hard <laughs> about free market systems. But I also understand that I've seen the downside. I've worked in unionized environments where like 
union protections are very distinct and necessary for certain right. things, but I also believe that it, it quashes growth and the ability for people personally and as an organization to get better. You know, why is Toyota and Honda and these companies that are also in auto manufacturing non-unionized and very successful and the workers get paid as much or more than unionized alternatives, but everybody I know that works in a unionized shop, they're, like we talked about, they're not all in, they're guarded. They're counting down the days there and good on, like not, not everybody needs to be like, I'm all in, right? Like there's, there's lots of reasons, but just this idea that the, the, the self-protection you create and the, and the veil of protection. Yes. And I've seen, so the downside to it and why I brought it up is I've seen a company that needs to make a sacrifice and if we could, we would do it as a shared sacrifice. My company has gone through this ourselves. When we had to face tough times, we all as a collective do things together for each other. Right. That are not easy. And yet I'll have this sort of this union boss group, you know, in his example, GM's a great example. They're literally, they said, you can't, you can't shut down this plant for you know part-time you can't take away you know any of our of our wages and the company whether right or wrong i, I don't want to go into all the numbers but in the in in effect they had no choice because of market conditions that they had to shut down the factory entirely right so you have a choice do you you know take a furlough do you do whatever and look covid is a great example we're facing this where what do we do do we all take a bit of a, a hit or do we select a group of people and, and they take all the hit? Right. And, and I, I look there, none of it is good. No, but when it all comes down to it and that's, but I also know that. So when that company closes that factory, I don't think I, no one, no one wanted to do that, but they have no choice because right. they have a fiduciary, which means very, it's a very, simple but literal legal phrase is they have a, a responsibility of the business to the shareholders to maintain the value of the company because they are investors right they have to keep the company alive and sadly you know you and i have both worked in places where make terrible decisions because yes. they have to and some they're not they don't justify all the decisions that companies make but sometimes they're going to have to make tough decisions and I'm going to be on the wrong side of a bunch of them. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We both have, like you said, um, me more recently than, than, than you. Um, but at the same time, it's also how the company handles it and um, disseminates that information and what support they even provide. And a good company or a uh, will or a company that has is making a tough decision, but with the right heart, let's say behind it, will put together a, here's a, here's a list of recruiters. Here's a list, you know, and, and help and provide some like, this is what we can do to help you get back on your feet. Hopefully with the COVID situation, there'll be a lot of people coming back now that we may slowly be reopening, but we don't even know that, you know, um, yet. And I've had, you know, uh, recruiters currently saying that things are great. In one way, things are good. A lot of people are very much staying put. There's lots of opportunity out there for people. And I've had other people say, there's a lot of people looking, nothing's really moving. So it really depends even, I think, maybe on an industry. In our industry, um, given that it's so fast moving. And I've said this to you before, sometimes I learn something or you tell me about something and three weeks later, I feel like I've lost the chance at learning five other things, you know, yeah. moving so fast all the time. But we're lucky in the sense that people are always going to be looking for new software or new technology to help move things along. You know, the biggest example of that right now is the, um, uh, the tracing of, of, of infections, right? And how are we going to do that? And how are we going to blood test? And how are we going to antibody test and all of that? So we're lucky versus being at a car plant where nobody's got a job. So no one's buying a car, you know, same as my ne poor nephews in the real estate industry. He's a real estate agent. Right. 
not selling a lot of houses these days. Not a lot of showings going on. Yeah, no, and, and that's, I, I think what, what I hope that everybody can do in these difficult times, even in relationships, like we, and we've talked about this in the past too, is like when, when a relationship breaks down, that's not the person that you got into the relationship with. It's the person they became. The situation that everybody's in, in as companies, as teams, as people right now in the world is not the state of the world. It's the state of the world it became as a result of a lot of external, you know, external factors. Right. Yeah. So the way we recover is what's going to matter in the same way that you just described. You have to lay people off, but what do you do for them as part of that experience? Yeah. And the hard part is we also have, you know, the magic of social media where it amplifies the negativity or worse. This is the one that always happens. Someone's like, they have to, you know, do a, a you know, riff, they call it a re reduction in force where they suddenly have to like lay off. They got 25,000 worldwide employees and they lay off like 2000 people at a time, which is a large amount of people. Yeah. And then the next thing that happens is like a tweet some kind of like feel good tweet about see how we're giving back to make sure that people and you're like oh dear god you just have no like that wow you should have gone into the old social media queue and maybe gotten rid of those yeah or just yeah. quieted down a little bit but we so those i think is the perception of reality especially when it's being experienced there will be the remembered version, which is different, right? And this is this is actually just straight up behavioral psychology. There's the experiencing self and the remembering self are two different things. Right. So the experiencing self, this sucks. The remembering self is, well, while the timing was bad and while it was a difficult situation, I'm actually glad it happened. Yes. The period of time that happens in between the experiencing self and the remembering <laughs> self, very. I'm pretty good. I can turn that around in about five minutes sometimes, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I've lived through a lot of weird shit. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's just it, right? The longer, and you asked me, you know, how did I get so optimistic? So I, I think that's part of it. It's like, you know, you go through enough stuff and you're like, hey, this will pass. Your 18-year-old self doesn't know that. Your first breakup does not know that there will be 15 yeah. other breakups after it, right? Because that's the worst thing. And you probably know this much better than I with having, um, you know, uh, kids where it's, my God, it, the world is ending. The world is ending. The world is not ending. We, we know it's not ending, but for you right now, yes, the world is ending, you know, and, and trying to remember that that is their reality, you know, right now. And, and I, you know, um, having gone through this, this COVID thing that we are all shared and going through and, you know, um, starting a new chapter and, and you know working uh for something like looking for for that next step for all of us uh that are doing that is can be an uphill battle sometimes and it's it's definitely like you said it's that what is it right now and in in another couple of weeks when it turns around or a month or whatever it'll be like okay you know it wasn't as bad as i thought it was tuesday at you know, 10 o'clock yeah, in yeah. the morning. <laughs> yeah, the, and that's always the challenge of, of putting the situation in the context to how we are trying to empathize for other people and interact with other people. And even like for ourselves, it's like, a, I always say that, you know, what would 20 year old me do? What, what advice would I give to 20 year old me? Well, it wouldn't matter because 20 year old me would be like, whatever dude <laughs> i got this you know yeah. i i wouldn't have listened to current me i wouldn't have listened to anybody i would have wanted to experience it myself and, and part of it is letting them experience it including the negative and the challenges because that shapes you and, yeah. and i think that's even as a team it becomes that thing of like can we can we shape a, a group of people by letting them experiencing difficulty together because it's when it's all like thumbs up and and Hawaiian shirt days and whatever the like it's all positive we don't grow together as a team and right. I think that's the so how do you 
how do you create that without like is there a way to artificially create that part of it like because it's natural sometimes it just happens but like is there a way do you think sherry that we can find a group of people and bring them together we know whether like what are activities we could do do you think that could give them that full sort of spectrum of what they're going to feel together as a team so one of the things that i believe in um, is i don't micromanage i don't like to be micromanaged and i do not micromanage and the reason is I'm someone who's very much a hands-on learner and that's how I learn things and I want to get in there and fi figure it out. And I will, I've learned over the years, my 21 year old self wouldn't have asked for help. Oh shoot. Molly's uh, in the, Molly just came in. That's right. That's the fun. That's right. My favorite thing about, first of all, COVID gave us the ability to like not care when some of these kids walk through the room and, <laughs> and the beauty part about live, like, like just off the cuff podcasting is the best things are the ones that we can't expect. It's like that guy with the BBC guy that had the kid walking in the back of the room. <laughs> and he was on a remote. <laughs> that's, I think that's the most, uh, the most fun is when they're natural like that. <laughs> I just heard Molly like run in from outside. She's been sitting in the back 80, five 88 degree weather here in montreal today um but one of the reasons i don't micromanage is because it really does i think allow for the team members to forge their own relationships with each other and uh molly's I wish this is what I always wish that team members could be as happy as dogs. <laughs> no. No. The well, eagerness there, with which they can uh, they can approach any situation. <laughs> there has been um, there has been times where I've joked and said um, they're like, oh, we don't have an X person. I said, sure we do. Her name's Molly. <laughs> we'll get her to answer the emails from people. Uh, she's the the best person. Um, but if, if you don't, I'm just going to close the door so she doesn't come in. Come on, come on, so by not micromanaging the team, and that doesn't mean that I don't have an eye on the team. It doesn't mean that I'm not listening and watching what's going on all the time. But by not hand-holding someone, it is allowing me to see who can figure things out on their own and who bonds with whom to be able to support each other going through something. And that is also one of the best ways to see if your team is gelling and having that, we have each other's backs feeling. Because if you have someone that is, you know, being asked questions and they're like, oh, I don't know, whatever, and they don't want to help, then you sort of know where they fit. And if they're working on a project that's very unique and, and I did have that with, with, uh, with my last company where we had one project that was really unlike any other project we had and we just needed one person to support it. It was a very, very old technology that we had been using and that it was a government client and they had all these rules about, you know, they can't update for so many years and all of those things. So it really required someone with that knowledge to be able to keep um, moving that project forward and keeping it stable. But anybody coming into the company, they were learning technology at that point that was 10 years old that we were never going to resell. So it didn't make sense to have- <laughs> Kind of hard to build towards that, right? Exactly. So it, it didn't make a lot of sense to invest, to have these developers learn that you know, old infrastructure and old code and, and, and um, frankly, that's not where we needed them. We needed them to be working on the current stuff. So if that person is doing that and that's okay, but you know, and we also have to be cognizant of being, out, being able to support them as well. But if you don't micromanage your team and you see who steps up where, you can also see who maybe also is gonna take a leadership role because maybe one point you'll need a team lead on a different project. And then it gives other people career opportunities in the company that keep them excited and engaged and so that they don't necessarily work their way out of a job. But at the same time, 
it really also imparts a sense that, hey, I trust you to do this and tell me when you need help. And I think if you can adopt a little bit of that, it really goes a long way versus being like, hey, did you do that? Hey, did you do that? Hey, did you do that? Nobody wants that. I'm not six. Don't ask me 52 times. You know, trust your people to say, hey, I need help. And make sure that they know that your door is always open. And, you know, um, I'm, I was known definitely with my last team, I had a developer who liked to just think a lot. And every time I would walk by, he would be reclining in his seat. And I'd be like, are you doing any work? <laughs> and then everyone would laugh and we would walk by and, you know, and, but because they knew that I was seeing what was going on without necessarily being there all the time, there was that support from afar and, but also don't take me for an idiot, you know, like there was that balance and, and listen, some people not may not like that. I can be a bit sarcastic sometimes, but that's okay. That's, you know, the, the, at the end, everyone that I've hired with the exception of the two people, I think I mentioned earlier, I would hire back again. And every single one of them have um, given me, uh recommendations or feedback or mention me to their companies and things like that and you know i've had calls and things like that so to me that is always the biggest honor for me is if you would come back and work with me then that's awesome your current network is your future network right we we build yes. we build towards a long the longest possible term together and the very mo very least and at the most, you build towards the longest opportunity to do more things together. And it's, it's interesting to see this, the range of, especially like technology, the type of person that adapts great to these technology organizations is this a spectrum of folks, some that are like, they need lots of deep work, no interruptions, they want to do things a particular way. And uh, so my my one that I always I laugh is a fellow that I worked with and he was an incredible developer and this whole monstrous system was built in in Java and then there was something that needed to be done where they had got some third party product and it only had a a C uh, you know SDK or something like something that would would only interact with with C or C plus plus or something right. So he, he goes, he comes in on, on Monday morning and it was like, he had like the idiot's guide, like I kid you not, it's like the idiot's <laughs> guide to C++. And I was like, I look on the desk and I'm like, I'd be frightened to bring in an idiot's guide as a developer, but, I'm, but he just, that's what he wanted to do. And what did he do? He refactored that entire thing by Thursday because he took the fundamentals of what he knew in one thing, but was very willing to admit that he had struggled in the other. And how I knew Larry, and I remember Larry well, because every 35 days I would meet Larry at his desk. Because every 35 days, we, the 30-day password expiry would happen, and the right. five-day grace period would happen, and then Larry would get locked out of his account. Of course. <laughs> and I would go to Larry's desk, and I would help Larry change his password, and then set it to the new, I would, I would reset it for him. I would show him how to reset it. I would walk through resetting it again, just to make sure. So that I knew like, he's like, thank you. Uh, um, we're all good. And after a while, I just realized like, so he is a man who can literally go home on the weekend and learn a, f a completely different programming language, but couldn't change his password. Right. And it was, so I had to very much recognize that that was, not his skill, but I could find that other thing. And so, and at first, you know, what can I help with? All right, excellent. Now let me show you how to do this. After six months, I'm like, oh, hey, Larry, what's up, password? He's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like the comfort grows where you can be sarcastic and open and, and, and whatever. But, and so, you know, and as we, as we wrap up and, and I wish we could, I could actually talk all day. I know we've actually had good extended conversations in the past about a lot of these things, but what people I want to take away from this is the way you approach each person has to be individualized, but thinking of the greater impact. 
Correct. As you, build it, as you build a team, it needs to be done individualized, but thinking of the greater impact. And sometimes it's hard to, to see it. And, and if we look back in our own experiences, the experiencing self may not have liked the way something went down. But if we stop right now and reevaluate, and I think that's why you're very good at being optimistic now, is because you recognize even the darkest moments were lit on the other side. I hope so. And I think, you know, it, I'm not going to lie. There's, and I said this earlier too, there's days where it's harder to do that than others, but the opportunities that are out there for all of us to learn and grow. And I mean, that's also what gets me going is to be able to, you know, uh, to be able to add value because somebody, I, th I think it might've been a conversation you and I had where you said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to add value. And how do I do that? A multitude of ways, but I, I'm always the girl who is like, we can get this done. The hardest thing in the world, the more it's the, like you said earlier, the more it's the curtains on fire, we are totally going to fix that. <laughs> no problem. No problem. And I, I, have learned to recognize that um, uh, a little while ago I did a uh, an assessment and I've done them different times over the years you know and but this one was uh, interesting in the sense that it gave your top five skills and I was quite shocked to find out that optimism and um, uh, people managing were my two top skills and people managing yes but optimism was just you know was uh was interesting because i didn't realize that i had that all the time because it you know everyone goes through different periods of things you know I, i'm older than i like to admit sometimes but you know uh we've we've all gone through things and some days it doesn't feel like the the other end is there or the hill's too big to climb but you know we keep we keep going and that's what we just have to keep remembering. And it, even this, you know, COVID, COVID will not go away. We're just going to learn to live with it better and we're all going to get back to some new normal and, you know, uh, get back to being able to, to be together in a different way. And that's what we have to keep holding on to. Same with work, same with your team, same with, you know, the emergencies, you know, and, and I think that's the most, uh, the biggest thing we can take away is building those teams together and remembering that we're all human. Every single one of us is human and none of us is not going to make a mistake. Mistakes are the, the greatest thing as long as they're only made once, you know, exactly. or, or at least a limited amount of times. As the yeah. old, the old thing is, you know, I, I made a great error one time and, and, you know, my manager and I had a very, tough discussion after he's like, Hey, you know, how did this happen? I'm like, hundred percent. You know, I, I wasn't, I just, I didn't think about the result strong enough. And, and I, I took a chance, tried this thing during the day without realizing and thinking about the impact. It had a very negative impact and he's like, all good. We're not going to let it happen again. Like, no, of course not. Right. He says, Perfect. Sounds like we've got a standard operating procedure now, doesn't it? He says, <laughs> you know, I, I, you're not going to fire the guy that lost a million dollars. Not that that was a million dollar thing. He says, but he says, you keep them because they're never, they're not going to lose 2 million. Exactly. You know? <laughs> but it's the ones that appear to never make mistakes who are unwilling to admit they made mistakes. Yeah. That's the most dangerous thing we can do because they are either very lucky or lying <laughs> whether it's to themselves or to you yeah and, and unwilling to learn right and willing to have that open dialogue and discussion and and that also will be insidious in the team right like that will that will absolutely not allow people to gel together everything is uh you know habits are habits right because we do them regularly both good and bad mm -hmm. emotions and effect are felt and they are 
you know, they, they get spread through the team, you know, they're contagious in that way. Uh, you know, so is, so are flus, <laughs> so are, so are positive emotions and so are negative emotions. Right. So Absolutely. that's very much it is. So, well, Sherry, your, uh, your effect is felt. It is very positive. And, and thank you very much for sharing this story today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you if they wanted to chat further on uh, kind of your background, DevOps goodness, and, and kind of stuff that you've got going on? Uh, the, uh, the regular social media way, definitely Twitter. Uh, they can find me at Trafalgar Girl, um, which is my, uh, my fun Twitter shout out handle to my high school that I went to nice. and uh, Sherry at themislogic.com is my email address, themislogic.com, the website. Excellent. Well, with that, uh, folks, do make sure you reach out uh, and we'll look forward to chatting uh, in the future as all this COVID craziness settles down and, and kind of the next phases begin. Uh, and definitely, uh, it's been a pleasure to share some time today. Thank you, Eric.